You're listening to audio from Redemption Church of Houston. We are a people who believe that Jesus has invited everyone into his radically inclusive, world-altering way of love. That means that when we gather on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. or in homes throughout the week, you are welcome here. Regardless of your social status, gender, race, sexual orientation, or politics, we want you to fully and actually join, grow, worship, and serve with us. Whoever you are, whatever you've done, Jesus invites you into his radical love just the way you are. And so do we. Morning, Redemption. Um, my name is Jordan Ray, and I'm not Brandon, um, as some of you might be surprised to see. But this morning, they invited me to come and to preach, and I'm super excited to do so. Um, my husband and I, Kendrick, have been coming here for, gosh, like four years now. Um, and outside of doing this, I am a teacher. And I teach third graders, and I teach four-year-olds. Um, and this morning, I am excited to come and to share with you all um, the way that those children have consistently formed me over the past um, several months since starting my position. Um, I want to jump straight in to the scripture that Lauren just read for us. Because this scripture is really the foundation of where we're going this morning. Um, There's a statement in it that is the foundation for why we're talking about anything we're talking about. So, let's jump in. We're in Mark chapter 10, verse 13. I will be reading from the NASB this morning. Context, Jesus is teaching. That's it. That's all you got to know. Jesus is teaching. And as Jesus is teaching, verse 13, they were bringing children to him so that he would touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. He rebuked those who were bringing the children to him. But when Jesus saw this, when Jesus saw his disciples were rebuking the children being brought to him, he was indignant. And he said to them, allow the children to come to me. Do not forbid them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. The kingdom of God belongs to those like these children. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. Let me say that one again. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. And he took them in his arms And he began blessing them, laying hands on them. This verse, um, these verses are probably the most popular verses to preach on about children in the Western church today. If you Google Jesus and children, this is what comes up. This or there's verses in Matthew and verses in Luke. All of our synoptic gospels have this exact story. Very similarly. Um... And so when I've received teaching on this, historically, 
the, the way that I've been taught this is we must, as a church, have faith like a child in order to enter this eternal kingdom, this future eternal kingdom that is not here, it's future. And so we need to have faith like children, and their faith is doubtless, it's unwavering, it is very, very, it's faithful, um, it doesn't question, it's really loyal. And so we should have faith like a child in order to eventually enter this kingdom. Um, we talk quite a bit, I feel like, on our Sunday teachings about this dichotomy of the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus is teaching on right here, right? He's using kingdom of God language. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter the kingdom of God. That's what he's talking about. And we talk a lot on Sundays about that dichotomy, the tension of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is both already, it is here. Jesus teaches on that so, so much, right? It's here, it's coming, it's breaking in. We say at the beginning of every service, Lauren literally said it five minutes ago, the kingdom of God is breaking in. However, it is not just already, but it's also not yet. It's not yet realized, it's not yet full. We still have brokenness, we still have oppression, we have injustice, we have death. So it is both of those things right now. And I think that how we have normally been taught this passage is that the kingdom of God is not yet. And so in order for us to receive and enter it, we must have faith in the now like a child. So it becomes very salvation-based. We must, in this moment, have faith like a child so we can, in the future, receive salvation for this not yet kingdom. What I want to propose today is that maybe Jesus was also talking in this moment about the kingdom that is already, the kingdom that is here. And maybe he is saying that if we cannot, in this moment, receive the present and active kingdom of God right now, like a child does, we will miss it. We will not today, in this moment, be able to enter and experience it. Maybe Jesus is telling us that children are, in this moment, experts at somehow walking in and accessing this present kingdom of God. That's what I want to propose that Jesus is also teaching about. I'm not going to say he's not teaching about, I'm not even going to touch on that, salvation, the not yet. Who knows? But what I do think is that he is certainly teaching about this. The last series that we just finished was called Wellspring in the Wasteland. Um, Brandon spent these past eight weeks talking about these wellsprings, these sources of hydration and replenishment that Christians have gone back to over the past millennia to be refreshed and to be given life. And so really what it is, it's these eight weeks where we talked about the foundations and the essentials for what our faith is. And what these foundations and what these essentials really are, are this framework for what is the kingdom of God going to look like. The gospel tells us the kingdom of God is here. The good news is that the kingdom of God is here. What's the kingdom of God? What does that look like? And that's really what we've spent these last eight weeks talking about. And so we've learned the what. What is the good news and what is the kingdom of God? We've learned that the kingdom of God looks like love. The kingdom of God looks like relationships to God, to Jesus, and to each other. The kingdom of God looks like sacrifice. It looks like compassion, comfort, refuge, redemption, resurrection. 
And the kingdom of God looks like abounding and unending and undeserving mercy and grace for everyone. That's what we've spent these last few weeks nailing down and talking about. We want to be a church that's very good at answering the question, what is the good news? What is this kingdom of God that is here? And why is it good news? And that's what we've spent the last time talking about. Now, as we've closed that and as we move forward, I want to encourage us now to not just be people and not just be a church that knows how to answer what the good news is and what the kingdom is, but we're also a church that knows how to, in this moment, in this present day, receive it and enter it. And what we were just told this morning is that the experts in doing that are children. The experts in doing that are children. The good news, what we've spent the last many weeks talking about, is not news like we often receive today on our phones or on TV. And we see a headline and we read it and we're like, okay, I know the what's, I know the why's, I get it. I have an opinion on it. I can talk to people about it. I know what that news is. That is informative news. That is not what our good news is. What our good news is, is invitational. There's also news that we receive today that sometimes invites us to something. There's news, um, my sweet husband loves the Missouri City Impact, that, that local newspaper, and it tells us about all the new restaurants that are opening up. And really, I like when he tells me about all the new restaurants opening up. And what it does, it's like, hey, there's this like opening of this restaurant, come, come to it. So what it's trying to do and what it's trying to conjure in us is a desire to go and to participate and to experience that restaurant. That is like what this good news is. It is not informative. It is not merely, hey, this is what's happening. This is a thing that exists. It is saying, hey, come, come, come feast at the thing. It's like, um, it's like a soft opening because it's not fully opened yet. The kingdom's not fully here. Um, but you can still go and you can still feast on this awesome menu, right? That's what our good news is. It is not just informative. It is also invitational. And so what I want, after we've spent these many weeks talking about what the good news is, I want to make sure we're also a church that's stepping into the good news and attending it. I want us to be a church that goes to the kingdom of God, exists in it, and receives from it. Because it's good. That's what we just learned. It is good. We are told that children are the perfect models of doing this. Children can teach us how to receive the kingdom of God and enter it. What are they doing? What are these children doing that are allowing them to somehow receive and enter the kingdom that we are struggling with? My answer this morning to that question is that children consistently and effortlessly experience moments of wonder in our world. That is my answer, that children experience wonder, and that is why they experience the kingdom of God. Thank you for coming. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm kidding. I know how crunchy and granola that sounds. I get how mystical it is. It sounds silly. And I don't want to leave it as this like impractical thing. Like everybody go experience wonder. 
Um, that's kind of what I'm saying, but we can talk more practically about what that means. Um, when I'm saying experience moments of wonder, I want everyone to just like take a second and think when you have felt a moment of wonder in your life, like a moment of just like, whoa, of awe, of intrigue, of beauty, of curiosity, of, you know, I don't know, surprise, of admiration. Think about a moment when you've experienced that. And those are the moments that I think children are experiencing constantly that are allowing them to see and receive and enter into the kingdom of God that we are so truly bad at as adults. When I started writing this one section where I was like, what is wonder, Jordan? You need to tell these people what wonder is. I was like, this is hard. This is the hardest part of the sermon for me is to actually explain what wonder is, to explain what these moments that children effortlessly experience that we so struggle to step into. Um, And I think that's a testament to how bad we all are, how bad I am at experiencing wonder. Um, But I also think it's a testament to the fact that wonder is not something that you define. To know wonder is to experience wonder. Um, as a, I'm a good preacher. I looked up the definition. So we have our Webster's definition of wonder, and it is a feeling of surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplicable. So it's this feeling of surprise mingled with admiration. I think that's a pretty good definition, honestly. Um, but when I read that definition... Something inside of me is not, like, stirred. And I'm not like, oof, I need some wonder. Like, the definition doesn't do it for me. But what I think does is when we think about the fact that we have to know it, or to know it, we have to experience it. Um, there are many things, I think, in our life that to know is to experience. Um, the taste of water, I don't think, can be, like, explained. But to know the taste of water is to live in Houston in August and to be so hot and thirsty and then to crack open a plastic bottle of water and then just like crush it in your hand as you're drinking it. Like that is to know the taste of water. You're like, I know what water tastes like. To know the color orange is not to be able to put it on a pigmented scale and be like, this is where it is in the color spectrum and it's the combination of this, that, and the other. No. To know the color orange is to see it like engulf our sky over and over again. To know the color orange is to um, have an orange in front of you and to like plunge your fingers into it and rip it open and the citrus just like burst onto you and you smell it. You can smell the color orange. To know the color orange is to um, have a pumpkin And you take your hand and you dunk it inside the carved pumpkin and you pull out the guts and the seeds and it's just covering your hand. And even when you wash your hand, it's still on your hand. That's like to know the color orange. And lastly, like to know what like a harmony is. It's not to know that the definition of harmony is the combination of simultaneously sounded music. No, 
that's not to know harmony. To know harmony is to have heard it and to hear the existence of individual notes somehow crash together and create this sound that is independent but unified and is somehow better than all of them individually. Like that's to know what harmony is. I propose that that is also to know what wonder is. I also propose as an aside that that's to know the good news and that's to know the kingdom of God. But that is to know what wonder is. And I think our issue as adults is not that we don't know what it is. I don't think we're good at defining it, but I do think we know what it is. I think our issue is that we're just not good at experiencing it often. It takes very large, big, magnanimous things to conjure that moment of just like, that moment of surprise mingled with admiration for the world in front of you, for the kingdom of God in front of you. But we do know what it is. We know what it is because at some point in our lives, we on the top of a mountain, dramatic pause, where did we end up? On the top of the mountain. We end up on the top of this mountain. Maybe we hiked, maybe we biked, maybe we drove, but we're up there and we're just higher than literally everything around us. We're like in the sky, but we're standing and the clouds are below us and you feel like you are somehow just like gigantic, but you also feel so small and you're like, wow, like that's the feeling of wonder. We know that feeling. We know the feeling of wonder because at some point we've left Houston and we've gone somewhere where there's no light pollution and it's quiet and it's dark and it's the middle of the night and you look up and there's just thousands of stars above you and they are somehow so close to each other, but you know they're like so far from each other and they're somehow so small, but you know that they're also so big and and like you feel like you can just kind of like reach and hold the whole sky, but you also feel like you're nothing. Like that is wonder. We know that feeling. We know the feeling of wonder because you've witnessed the birth of a child, right? Or you've witnessed a woman grow a child inside of her. What can't we do, women? What can't we do? You know that feeling. It's magnanimous. You're like, what? This thing just exists now in the world and it's fragile and it's tiny and it's crying and now it has a say. It was literally didn't have a say, now it has a say. Like that experience is like, oh, that's wonder. That, oh, that like release of breath. That's wonder. We as adults, we know that feeling. But what I encourage us to do is to be better, to be more like children in readily feeling that feeling. I encourage us to not just let the big and the grand and the special pull that feeling out of us, but I encourage us to, like children, find it everywhere, everywhere around us. They are, like, the best at doing this. Um, I compare um, wonder, like our wonder muscle, um, to flexibility. And when you're born, you come out and you're just like bendy, mushy gush. You have no structure to your body. It's an issue that you have no structure. Everyone's scared of your neck flopping around. Like you are just bendable. My four-year-olds, when they do rest time, they sleep in these positions. They fall asleep for like two hours in these positions that are like, I don't even know, they're like level 10 yoga positions. I don't know if yoga has levels, but I think level 10 would be pretty good. Um, 
but yeah. But then me, like, you tell me to touch my toes, I gotta warm up to touch my toes, right? That's how I think our wonder muscle is. We're born and it's there. We don't have to try. Everything is wonder. You're like, whoa, whoa, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And then we get older and things become routine and you see them time and time again. And beauty naturally fades with time. That's how we experience it at least. And routine naturally quells um, unexpected. And responsibility and distraction naturally squashes like the surprise around us. Um, children, however, have not experienced time per se. And so it's there and they don't have to try. Um, I have pickup at the end of the day um, with four-year-olds. So four-year-olds are come and they get picked up from my building in, in school. And usually ask people who are there are teachers' kids because teachers have their own kids to get picked up in their own classrooms. And so the teachers will come and they will pick up their children and then they will walk 150 yards or so to where their car is. And they will oftentimes have two, three, four children with them and they will pick them up, they will leave. I will then spend the next 15 minutes cleaning the classroom, getting things ready, saying bye to teachers, da, da, da. And then every time I will, on my walk, that same 150 yards, I will pass all of those families because they're still trying to walk to get to their car because it takes so long to walk to get to their car with two, three, four children. And the reason why is because you have a child and they're walking and they see a stick and they pick up the stick and they look at the stick and they're like, How'd the stick get there? Where'd the stick come from? And then all of a sudden, the stick's a wand, or the stick's a sword, and they're hitting someone with the stick, or the stick's a microphone, and they're singing into the stick, or the stick is a frisbee, and they're throwing the stick, and all the while, you're walking, and you're like, hello, like we are trying to go such little distance here, come on, but that kid cannot even help himself but see a stick and just experience like wonder in the world around them. So maybe they put the stick down and they walk 20 more yards and then all of a sudden they see a kid across the playground like doing a cartwheel and they stop and they're like, whoa, she's amazing. That's so cool. How does the body do that? Can my body do that? And to be frank, my body can't do that. I should be just as amazed at that child, but I will walk by and not even notice, right? They'll stop. That's amazing. And they'll think about their body. And can I do it? But that's kind of scary. And they'll think about fear. But then they'll think, maybe I'm brave, right? And they'll just get immersed in this thing that's happening that we've walked by. And maybe they gain focus again. And you're finally in the parking lot. Your car. And you're almost there. But then you turn around. And that little kid is squatted and looking at that yellow painted line on the black tar, and they're like, it's bumpy. Look at that texture. Look at that color difference. I wanna to touch it. I wanna smell it. They might, they, they might taste it. But that's what children do. On that 150 yard walk that takes you 45 minutes, they have, without trying, experienced thing after thing after thing that's here in this present, in this now kingdom of God, and they have interacted with it. They've lived in it. I argue they've received it and entered into it. 
That is what children are doing without effort. They are experiencing countless moments of wonder with our world. And I think that those moments of wonder are moments of recognition of the present kingdom of God here and its interaction with that present kingdom of God. Um, I, I wanted to share, I think there's dozens of reasons why having more moments of wonder is spiritually nourishing, why I think having more moments of wonder helps us interact with God and the kingdom of God more. I think there's countless countless things. I encourage y'all, take five minutes and just like list some. I think that's a really cool spiritual practice for you to do. Um, but I will share right here three reasons and three things really, not even reasons, just my own experience of how have I been formed in witnessing children, being taught by children, experiencing moments of wonder time and time again. Um, I think the first thing that happens when we take time to seek wonder and beauty and glory and majesty in our world, the first thing we do is that we slow down. As I've just illustrated, you cannot move quickly and find wonder. We slow down. We practice our patience. We downshift from the like of our life and we like slow because you cannot experience wonder in a hurry. You cannot experience wonder in a hurry. And so when we seek it out, we stop, we slow down, and we're grounded in the moment that we're in. And I tell you what, the kingdom of God occurs in the now. The kingdom of God does occur in the future. In the future, it'll occur in the now. But the kingdom of God is in the now. It's right here. And if we're not right here, we're not entering into it. And so the first thing it does is it forces us to stop and slow and be in the now. The second thing that it does, after being forced into this present, is that it awakens the fact that we are like here. All of a sudden, we're having to use all of our senses. We're thinking about our touch and our taste and our smell and our sight and our, our hearing. We're thinking about sounds. And in doing this, we are naturally interacting with the things outside of us. It is so easy to get turned inside of ourselves. When we seek out moments of wonder, what we're doing is we're seeking out that in what is outside of us. I'm only my body. I'm only my thoughts, my words, my soul, right? This is it. So everything else is apart from me. The rest of the kingdom of God is apart from me. And so what this does is it makes us realize we are finite. And in our finitude, we recognize God's infinity. We realize that we are recipients, that the ultimate giver and the ultimate creator is someone else. And so we are just receiving. That's good. That is spiritually nourishing for us to realize that. And what it also does is it helps us recognize that the things around us are actively delivering the kingdom of God to us, right? I sit here and I'm like, I'm not that tree. 
I'm not that swirl. I'm not that flower. I'm not that sound. I'm not that taste. I'm not those things. And so when I receive from those things, I am receiving this good kingdom of God that's being delivered to me. And that is awesome. What if we were so in tune with our surroundings that we could see their beauty and their value and their connection to the kingdom of God? And we're like, whoa, that thing, that person, that is a deliverer of the kingdom of God to me. How good would that be? How would our relationships be if we identified things as being things that like, wow, that thing delivered the kingdom of God to me in that moment because I experienced X, Y, and Z. Uh, And the last thing is once we have experienced that, we then are just grateful. I wish I was more grateful. I want to be more grateful all of the time, right? That is something that is it's hard to conjure up. It's hard to feel. And in doing this and in seeking these moments and in recognizing the fact that we are recipients of the kingdom that is here, we are naturally stirred into thankfulness and into gratitude. That is what I think is just one example of something that you can experience when you are seeking out these moments of wonder um, in your life. You can be still, and then you can just be humbled, and then you can just be grateful because you have experienced what is already there and already present, the breaking in of right now, kingdom of God around us. So my last question then is how? How do we do this? How do we become like children and experience these moments of wonder? As I've said multiple times, it is hard. It's hard for us. Everything in our life wants to push us away from being able to do that. So how do we do it? Um, I think there's two answers to this. I think the first answer is the easy answer, and that is to like actually change your day-to-day and expose yourself to more things that stir wonder in- inside of you. You know, Maybe you go on more hikes, and you go to the top of that mountain. Maybe you take time to look at the stars and get out of Houston to do so, you know? Maybe um, you, I'm not going to say maybe you give birth to children more. Um, Not saying that one. Don't do that for wonder. There's other ways. Um, But you know what I mean? Maybe you're changing your day-to-day life in order to be around things that will, like, stir that in you. Maybe you go on a walk with someone or by yourself. Um, And you just take the time to be in tune with your senses. And you're like more easily, I don't know, stirred. Maybe you see more art. If art just like, man, hits hits something in you where you have the ability to see it and be like, wow, that's good. Maybe you do that, right? Maybe you read books that do that for you. Maybe you talk to people who do that to you. But maybe you, you know, do practical things in your life. You actually change something in your schedule and you schedule in curated moments to experience wonder. I'm confident that that will be something that is spiritually nourishing to you where you will experience the kingdom of God and its presence here. Now, the other option I think is more difficult, but the other option um, is to, in your day-to-day, 
in your routine, in your mundane, in your 150-yard walk from the early childhood building to the car, you seek wonder. Maybe that's taking 30 seconds, two, three, four times a day to just stop and just put down everything. You take a couple big breaths and you just think about your senses. What are you touching? What are you tasting? What are you seeing, smelling, hearing? And you think about that, you think about what's around you, and you just think, where's the beauty? Where is God? Where is the image being bore in the people around me, right? Where is their love, compassion, kindness, patience? Maybe you're in your office and you stop, you take a couple breaths, and you smell coffee being brewed somewhere and you smell it and you experience that smell, you receive that smell and you're like, wow, I remember the first time I had coffee. It was when I was in college and I was very stressed for a final and I'm grateful that I'm not doing that now. Or it's I had coffee with people who were special to me and I felt loved and that memory that memory is good, and I'm grateful that I experienced that smell of coffee that is present here that moved me back into that time. Or maybe you smell the smell of coffee, and you're just like, oh, that's good. The smell of coffee is good. The smell of coffee gives me that feeling of admiration. I think that in itself is beautiful, right? Maybe that's what you do. Maybe it's you're talking to your spouse, you're talking to your partner, talking to your friend, your roommate. And as you're talking to them and they are speaking to you, you're listening to what they're saying. You're really listening to what they're saying. And as they're talking, you're thinking about all the words and you're thinking about how they and who they are are right now delivering the image of God to you. Like, and we just reflect on that for a little. And we're just grateful. And we're grateful that we are not the only image of God around. We're grateful that there's others around, right? Maybe like that's what it is. It's just in our day to day, we take little moments where we take deep breaths. We think about what we're feeling, what we're seeing, what we're actually in this present moment, where the kingdom of God is happening and occurring. What are we receiving from it being here? The reality is that God is in the common. There's beauty in the common. Children are so good at seeing that. There's beauty in the common, so we can find wonder in the common. There is mystery in the common. Even if we're used to seeing that mystery, there's mystery in the common. And so there's wonder there. God is in the common. We know this because of the incarnation. And so we can find these moments of wonder and these moments of interaction with the present kingdom of God. We can find that there. So for a while, maybe we take small moments where we undistract ourselves or maybe we take longer moments where we curate moments that are wonder-filled. And in that, we recognize like, wow, this is God. This is why God came to earth, was so that the kingdom of God was here. And if the kingdom of God wasn't supposed to be here, if we weren't supposed to experience it, why would God have come? 
So I encourage us to, in our mundane and our common, learn from our children and just find moments. And maybe if we find them more and more and more, they'll naturally come to us. Maybe we will, again, become the flexible goo of a child and not have to stretch to touch our toes. I'm going to leave you... um, I'm going to do one quote to end with because I love it. And I think it really captures so much of what we're talking about here and the strength that children have that reflects the strength of God that we somehow lose at one point in our life. This is from Chesterton's Orthodoxy for all the theology nerds. Brandon might not be here, but I can throw a theology nerd uh, quote in there. Because children have abounding vitality, because they are in spirit fierce and free, they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again. And the grown-up person does it again until he is nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony. But perhaps God is strong enough to exult in monotony. It is possible that, every, that God every morning says, do it again to the sun. And every evening says, do it again to the moon. It may not be the automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never gotten tired of making them. Church, let us be like children who search out wonder and who experience it all around them, in the small, in the common, and in the ritual, um, because there's greatness there. In doing so, I believe that we will receive and enter and experience the present kingdom of God now, today. Let's pray. God, we thank you for right now, for today, for the fact that you're here, that you are with us, that you stir inside of us, that you stir among us. And we also thank you that we have countless avenues to see your reflection in those around us and countless ways to reflect on you because the reality is that every single thing that we experience, everything that we touch, that we smell, that we taste, see, hear, they all come from your hand. They all come from you. So I pray that you help engage our wonder muscle, that we learn from our children how to exist in your kingdom and to see it for its reality. And that while it is hard to see it so often, because it is not yet fully realized, let us also recognize, God, that it is here. Awaken us to it, God. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, get coffee with a pastor or visit us on a Sunday, then go to 
redemptionhou.com. And please know today that you are fully loved and fully accepted just the way you are. We hope to hear from you soon.